You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. <laughs> oh, Michael. Andre! Uh, I guess a peek behind the curtain here. We don't often do three podcasts in a night where we're tasting wine because while we enter these with the best of intentions, I have a spittoon that's half full in front of me from the past two podcasts. Oh, yours is empty. I have dumped. I haven't dumped mine yet. But you really like these wines. Yeah, I do. Um, we Not that d- I didn't. But no, I no, no. We, uh, yeah, you are at home. We, we're at the Hamilton studio, um, and I got to drink some Gewurztraminer on the last episode. I, I don't know when this episode's going to be released, so if we're looking for like canon and continuity, we might be dealing with a little bit of like Star Trek time travel here, where like time has no meaning anymore, and the trouble with triples. That's not time travel, but a very good episode of Star Trek. Probably my favorite. Yeah, oh, and Amok Time. Amok Time is one of my favorites too. I don't know if I have like a favorite one episode. Oh, I am pretty stoked on uh, Picard coming back. Because Picard is coming back. It's an excuse for Andre to drink Burgundy. And by the way, that that article that I wrote on AndreWineReview.ca about Chateau Picard, I still get a lot of traction on that every month. Of people just looking for where's the real Chateau Picard. Sorry, blatant shout out, but I mean, yes. what's the point of this podcast if, if we're not doing that? If, if we, we can't blatantly shout out. But yeah, if you're getting ready to watch uh, Star Trek Picard, go to AndreWineReview.ca, uh, look for Chateau Picard, and I talk about what wine you should be drinking and, while and, watching Picard. And the way you've been updating that uh, that website, it probably is probably, what, one or two away from the top. So. Uh, I actually have done a large update, and uh, at the point that this podcast has been released, I've talked about... Uh, Le Clos Jordan, where for the people at Artera, I, I hope you uh, took my criticism well-meaning. Um, I don't understand why if you're a winery in Ontario, you have bottles that weigh more than the wine that goes in it. Uh, the wines from the last Le Grand Clos were good, but I don't think they're best work and frankly, a little underwhelming for 2019. Well, I think we talked about it and they lean a little more towards New California. Yeah. I don't even think necessarily California. I think I think we're past just saying straight up California, uh, because like. The- well, I, I I would not say New World because there are some New World places who are making them in an Old World style. Yeah, but I think I think when I think about like Chardonnay in the style of the last Le Grand Clos, I think Australia, I think Chile, I think Argentina before because the the acidity was still there in California when they lean into that style of of pushing onto the oak you usually lack acidity to it. It's almost like... They, yeah, it's where there's candy. Anyways, AndreWineReview.ca. Are your notes going to be up on uh, MichaelPickusWineReview.com on the, those wines? Uh, sure, when I get around to it. <laughs> okay, so they may or may not be there. Um, when I talk I wasn't to that, I was. I just wasn't that jazzed by those wines. So I, I wasn't, they'll sh- especially... And, and, they'll show up, I, I, I mean, I, they're not going to be... I made reference to it on the last time we recorded this, and once again, for continuity, this might not make sense to people listening to it, but... The Toussaint release from Bachelder, which um, were not the best wines that Thomas has ever made, but I think in terms of what 2019 gave winemakers, definitely some of the better wines in the province from yeah. that vintage. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, what Thomas is continuing to do with um, evolving and working with growers to push the limits of what a grower can do without needing to get a winery with their name on it. Um, is something that needs to be commended and is opening doors for other like-minded individuals. I also th- I also think it helps uh, vineyard owners think about 
quality over quantity. Yes, and makes them think maybe we should open a winery too. Which think, wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, you know what? I think it gives people a push. You know, his, uh, I, I think it was his Bayou or... Uh, yeah, Bayou. Uh, that guy uh, has a winery. It's by Byland Estates. That's, oh. That's, there is a winery there. We'll have to check that out. And I, I know, but I but I also know because uh, okay, this is the second time we've sort of alluded to sitting next to the two guys who run the Hank Vineyard where it's just like they made some changes. Um connected with Thomas and I don't think they were expecting qual- the quality to come from their vineyard. But and- I believe they are looking into a winery. Well, there we go. So, so t- yes, yeah, so kind of, when I say BC, what do you think of? Uh, I, I nine times out of 10, I would think of uh, of red wine, Syrah, uh, Merlot. Oh, Syrah over Merlot. Uh, yeah, Syrah, Outlier. I, think, I think BC is is making some really great Syrah. Oh, I completely agree with you. Uh, Merlot, their cabs are pretty good. They make some nice franc, but I always think red. Um, Me too. Uh, I think occasionally of some Chardonnay, but... And but, because, but even then, even then... Um, and that's because a lot of their wineries are, are focusing, a lot of the newer wineries, from Mission Hill, uh, uh, Calmina... Those guys were, you know, pushing Chardonnay to a to another level. But even even then, like the last batch of Chardonnay I had, the single vineyard or the single block series that they had, they were good, but not not super memorable. If I'm talking right now, and I'm sorry, Colmina, I know you guys are great with making sure that the journalists get a chance to taste the wines, and I I see real potential in it. I think about Chardonnay from Mission Hill, which has been good, but being blunt, largely generic, not you know, great, better, better, better than what you get from California, leaning into the same style. Um, I do need to tip my hat to Lightning Rock, and if I get a chance to get my hands on Lightning Rock Chardonnay, I'm looking forward to tasting that with you. And I know you tease me about label, 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 table, 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 and we've been very careful to not lean into that like joke this year, but BC is a place where I've been profoundly disappointed in the Chardonnay because I feel... I feel it's just generic. I, I I just I haven't had that moment where like I remember being in Oregon and tasting Chardonnay at Lemelson and tasting Thomas's Oregon Chardonnay and tasting Chardonnay at the Irie and feeling inspired, and being in in Burgundy at Bergeret a Fee and tasting nineteen euro a bottle Chassin Montrachet, which by the way is cheap cheap enough that you would even consider buying it at around twenty eight dollars Canadian a bottle and feeling like we're looking at the future of Niagara. I don't think I've had that moment with BC. Chardonnay or BC Cool Climate varieties in general, with a couple of exceptions. Riesling from Tantalus, but like good. But I'm not sure if I've had a Riesling from Tantalus that's just like, you know what? I think I would put this toe to toe with uh, with what Len and uh, Angelo are doing at Cave Spring. Um, sorry, I know you're trying really hard not to interrupt me and let me finish my my rant, but it's just like I just I, I don't I don't I don't feel I like, don't know where you're going. I don't feel like BC is super memorable with the cool climate varieties. They're not super. Uh, they're not memorable for white. Holy as far crap! As I'm that was a long rant. Yes, as as far as I'm concerned. But I, I think of them for red, and I but, really do. And I, I but I but I will say this: the other day I opened two Sand Hill wines. Okay. One was called one. One was called three. One was from 2012. One was 2015, and neither one of them excited me in any way shape or form they're both blends they're both oddball blends but neither one of them really in the end got me very excited 
which then got me to think, well, wait a second, maybe it's time to look at something from British Columbia, but let's look at something from British Columbia that we're not jazzed about, nor are we thinking about. I think so we're not Syrah, we're... not Merlot, not Correct. Cabernet, nothing red. Let's not Chardonnay so that we can crap all over Chardonnay if we wanted to, but let's look at something that we think of more along the lines that Ontario would make. Riesling. This is a podcast about BC Riesling. Correct. Hang on, let's look at the VQ8. Uh, not just BC, but Naramata Bench, Bench, Okanagan Valley Riesling. So basically, we're, uh, we're our good friend, um, uh, hold on a moment. Sal? Oh, Sal D'Angelo. Uh, oh, you're just having wine. a senior's moment. A senior's moment, just like Sal. So here we go. This All three of these Rieslings are from a place called Moraine. Now, Moraine, uh, I, will, I will tell you, make some of the best Pinot Noir I have ever tasted out of British Columbia. Okay. Uh, to me, I am a big fan of New Zealand Pinot Noir. Me I think too. They make some really great Pinot. And they're... Also, one, year, one, of the, one of the last places on the planet where you can get value Pinot. And this yes. is one where value is subjective. Niagara Pinot at 40 to $45 is good value if you compare it to Burgundy, you can still get a good bottle of New Zealand Pinot for twenty five bucks. Exactly. So, so Moraine made great Pinot, and they were nice enough to send me three bottles of Riesling. So we have a twenty twenty, a twenty twenty one, and a twenty twenty one Riesling Reserve. Ooh la la! So we're gonna start by tasting the twenty twenty. Okay. And not having, li- we don't live out in British Columbia, obviously. So to 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 tell you what that vintage is gonna be like. But I believe 2020 was pretty much good all over the planet, except for, you know, people. Personally, yeah. yeah. Per, people, not so much. But if you were a grape, it was a good year. So I'm getting a little of that wet stone. I'm getting a little of that, you know, apple pear. But I mean, that's it. I, I think this is where this smells like what I expect BC Riesling to smell like versus Niagara, where it pushes straight into orchard. It completely forgot that. When it was picking up the kids on the way to school, I might want to pick up some limes, might want to pick up some lemons, and kind of was just like, oops, I'm going straight to the, like, let's pick up some Granny Smith apples. Yeah. But, let's pick up some Macintosh apples. But it's tasty. Let's get it's a nectarine very in there. tasty. I'm actually surprised putting this in my mouth because the acid is, um, it's sharp on the finish. Yeah. It, it's certainly more balanced than most warm summer Rieslings from Niagara. You know, we've we've talked uh, a few times about Australian Riesling, mm. and this is nowhere near that. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And the thing is, um, I'm friends with um, my friend Carrie, who's a product consultant at Front and Spadina, and she loves Australian Riesling. And I've just had moments where she's brought Riesling to my house, where she's just so jazzed on it, where it's just like, oh my god, this is so good, and it's like structurally it has it has acid it's not completely flabby but it's just like it's missing that sharpness on the like the palate cleansingness that you so, something expect that, from good riesling something i you know for me a good riesling does this like i agree it snaps right in the mouth have you ever you put go, that in a tasting wow. note never because i can't do that on paper yeah but you can you can write it but i, I think that is such a great like mental picture where i agree with you that's what i expect from great riesling is i expect uh, just a snap, something, something that just snaps and in your mouth. 
be it the acidity, be it the minerality, something that just jazzes the tongue up and makes you go, wow, that's really good. This one is almost there. It's just, it's, it's just lacking that last, you know. I think, I think it's also what makes Riesling underrated as a wine overall is like, I, I know I still, my, one of my favorite podcasts that we've done is one where we talked about how that perfect wine and food pairing is kind of BS, right? That like we could sit there and obsess. And I know a couple episodes ago, once again, for continuity, can't remember when this one's going to be released, but like, you know, the whole very specific tasting note where it's just like, as the person who writes the back of the label, how can you know that someone's going to feel the same way about pistachio encrusted loin of lamb as you did when you wrote, wrote the note, Although right? it does sound good suddenly. I know it's, but like you, you get the I point like, that I'm making. I like pistachios. I also like loin of lamb. And, and I, I could just see like a, I can also see like a medallion of beef. Okay, okay. Before oh, before before we get completely off topic, the thing that I and I think it's one of the things I learned early in my career as a writer about Riesling is Riesling really does pair with virtually anything. A good Riesling with that snap with that will pair with, with will pair with steak. Will pair with steak if you put the right accoutrement around it. You put the right salad on the table. You put the right potatoes on the table. Like you need to make sure you don't have that um, that combat yeah of, of flavors, but. Um, champagne and steak is one of my favorite things to enjoy because you get that palate cleansing next to a fatty cut of meat. And even with a bit of sweetness, you still get that harmony of like sweetness and acidity and the palate cleansingness with a fatty cut of meat. So now we're going to move to... Wait, did we did we like this? I know we said like... The- I, I like it. I I I think it it lacks a large snap, but it's kind of a... You know, golf clap. Okay, snack, can, can we snack. agree phenolically it's riper than what we would expect from Niagara? It's missing a bit of the citrus. Correct. Got you, the- you got a lot of orchard fruit, and that's what that's what you said. Apples, pears, Granny Smith. Um, I got some Mac. You know, th- there's a lot going on. It's it's a very tasty Riesling. It's just it seems to just lack a little bit of that minerality that we get here in Ontario. Totally lacking minerality we get from uh, but, Ontario, but that, but but that could be the that could just be what the Naramata bench tastes like, right? That fruit just punches though, like it it's does it slap? It snaps. It snaps. Uh, but it's but as I said, it's more of a golf snap. You know what I mean? Like a not a it's a no. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, that being said, still balanced. Um, going back to our old Riesling tasting, if someone showed up at my party with this wine, we would probably drink the whole bottle. Yeah, um, for sure. So now, uh, looking at the 2021, oh. again, the vintage, you know, um, Ontario. 2021? Yes. We know it's not going to be the. Can, can I? Okay. This is another behind the curtain moment. I don't know if you've talked to any other winemakers in Niagara, Money. but I did um, about 2021 and visiting the barrel cellar. I went and tasted the 2021 when pigs fly. Once again, continuity, there's a good chance when pigs flies in bottle might be ready to be sold. But I just remember that moment when I visited the cellar. I tasted our Chardonnay from 2021. I tasted the Rosé from 2021. If you could see the sense of relief on my face when I tasted the wine, um, you would have understand understood what stress is. But, right? I, but I mean, you know, you're making cool, very cool climate. I'm, I'm, varieties with those you're b- because i think that's what niagara does best but it's also this vintage was such a challenge that Correct. like like fruit it's was not, breaking it, down on the vine it's it was, not like you were making a cab so 
oh my god, I can't I can't even imagine Correct. what it's like in the barrel cellar of a cab stove maker in Niagara from from this year. But I'm not gonna lie, I went in there because the the rain was so intense last fall that the sugar level started to drop as the fruit started to plump up. That like it it was a challenge. It was a, it it was it was a concern. Um, and to taste something good that came from 2021 was a relief. And the day I actually checked on my tanks, I visited another winery with another winemaker and tasted their barrels. And it was just like, we were both just like, okay, we're not really, we weren't really expecting the quality from 2021 to be what it is. So I think 2021 is going to be a winemaker's year. Um, but yes, the, the, the response that you made, the noise that you made is well-earned. We're still going to get good wines from 2021. It's just going to be tough to have them. A minefield for the consumers. So I, I just looked. I haven't even tasted this yet. The nose is the, the nose is pure Granny Smith. Sorry to talk so much, Michael. So I, I've looked at the back here and there's some information here. And, and I'm going to talk to you about it in a second. But this 2021 mm. is sweet. It's a sweet Riesling. There's no doubt about it. Okay. But balanced. My palate's <laughs> cleansed. Uh, slightly cloying. Uh, how much is this wine? That's I, what I want to know. I would agree with the, um, with the slightly cloying, but it's definitely sweet. It is definitely sweet. Would you consider the 2020 sweet? Yes. But... Balanced, better balanced. So both are considered a medium dry if you look at the bottom back of the bottle, which means they probably are, are, are and they're close in alcohol. One's a 12, 12, 7, 12, 9, something like that. The other one's a 13, 6. Holy crap. So 2021 must have been a hot summer for, wait, yeah. So what Get I... Get Moraine on the phone. I have questions. But I, I, my Riesling palette leans towards the 2020. And the reason is I like that orchard fruit, but it's very well balanced. Oh, I agree with you. Whereas on that. the 2021 tastes like what I expect is Riesling from dry BC. Riesling. Yeah. Uh medium dry, but also it's off balance. There's a slight off balanceness to it. The 2020. Uh dude, dude, pretty. we're we're being we're being nice. It, it it's more than slight. Uh, but look, if you are a Riesling person who liked sweet Riesling, that's your bag. That's your Ballywick. That's the one you go, yeah. This 2020, you go, too acidic for me. Do you know what I mean? So I do. I, I, I think do. That, so they, they have their place. And that's and this is the dichotomy of Riesling, as far as I'm concerned, is you never know what you're going to get from Riesling because it's made almost completely in the vineyard. Then it comes in, goes into stainless steel, it's fermented, and then it comes out. You know what the worst part about my, my critique of the 2021 is? I haven't used my spittoon. And you're liking I'm it. still drinking it. Um, that being said, as someone who has had many a nights where I may have had one glass too many, always consume responsibly. But this 2021 tastes like youth and regret, but in the best way possible. You understand what I mean? Like this, this tastes like a really good night. It's a little Deacon Blue, love and regret. Is that another old person oh, music my reference? God, all right. Google's gonna have to have some songs on it tonight. All right. So now this is the Riesling uh, Reserve. It's a 2021. Also, 
it is considered a, uh, a a medium dry as well. So, and the alcohol is 13.5. So, it is the companion piece, obviously, to the regular Riesling. This What's the one, alcohol on it? Actually, don't th- tell me. Nope, stop. I've already stop. given it, but you didn't work. Uh, I, yeah, I was busy checking my phone. I'm getting messages fast and furious. Um, I am hoping that the alcohol is higher on this. Mm. Stop. No, nothing. No, say nothing. Let me. Okay, this has minerality on the nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what's missing from the other two. Mm-hmm. And a little whetstone note to it, which I'm kind of liking. Like this, this if you if you slip this into my glass, didn't tell me, I would almost say Ontario. Holy crap! It's balanced. Yep, it's great balance. Not only is this balanced, it's very good. It's got it's nice concentration. Concentration, minerality. Uh, the Mac Apple is definitely there. There's uh, like a Bosque pear. 13.5% alcohol. 13.5%. But that one, based on what we tasted... Lower Ontario, alcohol than the sweet one. So I, I have I have questions about vineyard management. And it's also labeled as medium dry. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So what makes this different from the other one? Let me read Let me read this. Uh, oh. And they have also... Uh, harvested, from, harvested from blocks of Clone 49 Riesling grown on our... Anastasia Estate. Sorry, there was just a hyphen splitting up the line. And oh. I didn't know what the word was. Anastasia Estate Vineyard and neighboring Red Rose Vineyard on the Naramata Bench. Intense aromas of apricot and peach lead to flavors of pomelo and Meyer lemon, which are representative of the warm vintage and some botrytis inclusion. Mm. Textural and energetic on the palate with racy acidity and a long lingering finish. An excellent companion to sushi or an elegant brunch. Okay. I get the pomelo, for sure. I'm giving a check mark to saying specifically sushi and not Asian, Asian cuisine on the back of this. I think that's the, the I think that's the best of the three. Uh, Moraine is a family built uh, is a family winery built on inspiration and passion, making premium wines from vineyards situated in the heart of British Columbia's scenic wine country. So, so I'm I'm of the opinion that that reserve riesling shows. What's the I'm price not, point? What's the price point? Um, I'm, I'm looking at prices. Why do you stop mid-sentence? Oh, I thought you were going to, you know, tag that as not being, um, you know, as something that we were going to remove. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I didn't bring the paperwork with me. I, I left it behind because I wanted to kind of taste these uh, totally blind and not be swayed by soils and and terroir and and temperature oh sweet the reserve riesling so the 2020 is at uh 25 um the regular riesling is 22 dollars. i'm curious why there's only three dollars of price difference but i'm sure they can figure that out and cool so i think it's a it's a good representation of riesling um am i convinced on british columbia's riesling I, I don't I don't know, but I, I I like the 2020. I like the reserve. Not a fan of the 2021. Uh, I think you're you're saying that because you feel like you have to as a wine critic. I like the 2021. Um, 
being an objective person who scores wines, I think I would need to set the consumer expectation and it's not a four-star wine. I well, uh, you, it, you know what? The 2021 is a moped. It's 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 fun to drink, but I don't want anyone to see me drinking it. So I like that kind of. I like the acidities in my rieslings to show up. I like the minerality. Yeah, I do too. And in the 2021, you're right. It's a smooth, silky riesling with a little bit of sweetness. It's that. It's more than a little bit of sweetness. It's, it's a sweet wine. It's wearing that black evening dress, and and she's ready to go out. Uh, the other ones are a little more serious. They're wearing the the cocktail wear. <laughs> and now this is why we don't usually record three podcasts in a night. If that's what you want to say, I'm uh, Michael Pinkus of MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. You can find me on social media as the Grape Guy, uh, also as Michael Pinkus Wine Review. Uh, I'm going to try a pitch for uh, for Patreon because this is where Andre usually says, you know what? Patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. You know, um, we really appreciate uh, any kind of, you know, shekels that you want to throw our way, pesos. Uh, they kind of get turned into uh, Canadian dollars anyway. But uh, we really appreciate anything that is uh, to help us get this podcast out to you and get some information into your uh, your eardrums. Oh, this is longer than the Gewürztraminer podcast. I'm Andre Pruv on WineReview.ca. Follow me on social media at Andre WineReview. Take us away, Michael. Mm. Mm. I really like that. I really like that. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.